0: Trace for yourself with twenty-five percent off at ritual.com slash podcast. Come on, Peter. It's just suing. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die.
1: She wasn't altogether there. At the end, Mom? I don't like this. Dad, I don't like this.
0: What's happening? He does! Don't you ever raise your voice to me! I am your mother! <laughs> Mom, what's
1: happening? Make it stop! Make it stop! I just don't want to put any more stress on my family.
0: Hello and welcome to another fan critical podcast Uh, and this one is another commission podcast which is great because let's face it um, we're getting paid we're getting paid yes very good point but also there is nothing really coming out film wise for the next couple months at least until the studios finally you know realize that going to the cinema is not a good idea and they're just going to release everything on Disney plus which seems to be What's going to happen with a lot of films, uh, which is great. And, well, that's fine. You know, I literally just signed up, so that would work. Yeah, like well, well. Marvel wise, Gareth, we're laughing. This is Gaz. Gaz is with me today. Say hi. Hello. Yeah, terrible introduction, but uh, it'll do. Uh, but yes, so everything hopefully will be just released sh- straight to Disney Plus and in selected theatres where obviously COVID isn't ravaging uh, the landscape. So, not here, of here in humanity. Melbourne. So not here in Melbourne because we are in stage four lockdown, uh, which is why, once again, we are remotely podcasting with each other. Um, Although it was very nice to hear that Emma and John, who just recently did our uh, other commission podcast on No Country for Old Men, which was released a few days ago or today or whatever, uh, they were in the same room. So that was nice to have them. Back recording in the same studio. I'm doing studio in little quotation marks because uh, if you ever see our studios, you will realise they are the furthest thing possible from a studio. Mate, yeah? you've got a pretty so, professional
1: setup there.
0: Yeah, uh, well, when I move house, Gareth, I've I've ordered some really good kit. Uh, yeah. So let's just say the studio is being the studio is being crafted. Um, so this is a commission podcast, and it's from our lovely Patreon, Chris Mayer. Yeah. Um, who recently commissioned us to cover Ari Aster's second uh, feature-length horror movie, uh, *Midsummer*. Now, Midsommar. you guys out there might have listened to that one. If you have, we've had some good feedback from that one, Gareth. Uh, apparently, it went very well. well oh, so that's, that's nice. That's always nice. nice. Always nice to hear.
1: Well, it's it's easy. It's easy when it's such a great film that we love talking about. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. So, guess what? Chris has sat there and gone, "That was so good." the first one that you kept talking about <laughs> in that one, Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about Ari Aster's first smash hit horror movie, Hereditary, which took the horror world by storm um, and got glowing praise from a lot of critics. And mm. I'm going to say some mixed reviews from audiences. Uh, now, I'm going to say this. If you haven't seen the film Hereditary, please do go watch it then come back as there's going to be spoilers for the film Hereditary and honestly I think this film you need to sort of experience it before you listen to this because some of the some of the stuff in there is just mental um and terrifying if if, if
1: you're that way inclined. Yeah. I mean uh, not to mention it would just be really weird to listen to a podcast on hereditary if you haven't seen the movie. Hey some people listen to the podcast guy without
0: uh watching the stuff in fact when we were doing a walking dead podcast i know a lot of people who had given up on the show and were still listening to our podcast to hear john and me go mental at the show every week so people do do it it is a thing
1: well each to their own
0: each to their own each to their own but if you're sitting there right and you're wondering how the hell can people uh you know say hey cover this and then we actually listen and do it um well, that's a very good answer. There's an answer to that. You can go to patreon.com forward slash fan critical. That's patreon.com forward yeah. slash fan and critical. What,
1: what can you do once you're there?
0: Well, on there, you'll see that there's several different options or tiers as we call them. And you can become um, a form of a blueberry. You know, we've got several different forms of blueberry. You know, you've got your regular blueberry. Um, you've got senior blueberry you got Elite Blueberry. You know, I've forgotten the tears myself, but they're all blueberry related. Mm. Um, and they all have different things. All get you bonus content uh, episodes, you know, that we've recorded uh, of Cast It, where we recast films and TV shows with uh, new actors or dr- a dream cast, if you will. Sometimes with different rules and parameters that make it quite hilarious, I will say so. Mm-hmm. Um, Was that a Scottish accent? Uh, yeah, I don't know Why? what it was, to be honest with you. I've lost, I, I have no idea. But um, I've lost the plot a bit. Sunday afternoon, stage four lockdown. This is what happens. You can also uh, uh, get access to our Discord server. And there is a tier which, you know, may, may seem a little bit pricey, but I think it's a decent well, don't bargain say that. if you get to Just, it's perfectly reasonable price. It helps us make stuff, yeah? But it, it's good when you think about the quality that we're going to give you right now. Yeah. yeah chris is loving this
1: you've paid for this chris you've paid for all of this that's happening
0: right now if you want to get in on the action patreon.com forward slash fan critical that would be amazing any any financial support is incredible helps us with hosting costs equipment it all goes towards the podcast Nothing, helps to you know, feed you it does help to feed me currently in a state of um full-time podcasting uh due to covid but you know Enough of my plight, Gareth. It is what it is. Um Did you get the care package I sent you? No, no care packages yet. Yeah, send um, some bread over. Anything for you. yeah, that'd be nice. But freshly baked sourdough that you've taken off. No, over you get my week. leftovers. See? So oh, brilliant. Okay. Um so let's let's begin with Hereditary. Is there a scarier film out there than Hereditary at the moment, Gareth? In terms of in the recent horror genre world. And then I would also like you to explain the first time you saw this movie. And then could you please also blueberry this movie?
1: Okay. Um, Well, is there a scarier film out there? I don't know. That, in a way, is a bit of a loaded question. And you have to start breaking down what the meaning of scary is. In terms of horror movies that I like, there are... um, my favourite type of horror film is a horror film that doesn't rely on jump scares. That I, I don't like that element of the horror genre. And I think today's market of horror films is saturated with these jumpy, scare films. Something in the dark, it gets all quiet, and then bang, something jumps out at you. And yeah, sure, that gives you a moment of fear, just an in- instinctive, well, jump but it's not truly scary is it that's not something that that disturbs you and and lives with you and haunts you and for me the best horror films are the ones that haunt you and 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 get inside your head and leave you ruminating on them for for days to come and i tell you hereditary is absolutely one of those films i it's something it's a film that moments within it haven't left my psyche since the first time I saw it like a year and a half ago probably um, mm. and it's it's a film that it absolutely doesn't rely on jump scares it creates a, a there constant there are some in there th- there are there but, are but I've there. chosen my one words very c- terrifying one I've chosen my words very carefully there it doesn't rely on jump scares no yeah true and it what it does is it, it creates a, a constant constant state of unease and yeah you know that's done that's done through a a number of things a number of techniques i think like like things like lighting are used incredibly in this film i think the the Mm. sort of a shift in lighting will just reveal something that's been there the whole time that you hadn't seen um once again talking about very scary scene yeah, yeah. yeah 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 um the acting is superb and like to be honest, just the, the story, the 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 narrative itself is is really, mm. really creepy and disturbing. Um mm. as well as some absolutely batshit crazy disturbing scenes. Um mm. f- for this to be Ariaster's first film, it's just incredible. Um I, I personally I'm a, I'm an absolute I'm a sucker for pagan ritual movies and, and like Demon yeah. worship—that that gets me. Um, it really, really gets my scary bone. What is that? Yeah, you no. Know I mean? you were going to say something else? No, I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it. Yeah, no, yeah, weird. No, nothing like there that. There
0: is a lot of nudity in this film, Gareth. That's what you're into—weird, creepy old people. Oh, and he al- loves a weird, creepy old person. This this guy Asta. He loves them. Can't you, get enough of them.
1: I thought you were saying me. Uh, um, yeah, and Andy. he loves he loves making them naked as well. To be fair. Um, yeah, Midsummer had loads of them. Yeah it does. Um so look, I mean this is this is one of my favorite horror films. F- personally, one of my favorite horror films of all time. And I don't know whether that's being hyperbolic, but that is how I feel about it. Um mm. it's a it's of course it's a five blueberry movie for me. I love it. Yeah. Um uh I don't necessarily want to watch it every couple of weeks because it's horrifying mm. and it's it's really upsetting. Yeah, once it once a year once a year kind of jobby yeah that will do um but it's mm. it's an incredible incredible movie um i'd like yeah. to know what your thoughts are on on this well i'll kick off with rotten tomatoes actually first and it says hereditary uses
0: its classic setup as the framework for a harrowing uncommonly unsettling horror film whose cold touch lingers long beyond the closing credits um and that is I think a very excellent way to describe the film. Harrowing's now, a great one. Harrowing's a great one. And word. also cold touch lingers long beyond the closing credits, which is something that we, you discussed just there, like staying in your psyche, staying in your mind, uh, you know, those dark moments alone in a house or whatever, and just flashing the imagery up from this movie. Um, that's what the best horror movies do. They stay with you and they, they put you on edge, even when you haven't seen them for years. And I will say that I remember watching this the first time with you uh, on one of my trips over to Australia. Um,
1: before you moved we here.
0: It together, before I moved here. And we watched it together. Uh, we were like, I was like, look, we've got to watch this film, Hereditary, it's supposed to be good. you like, yeah, right, let's crack it on. It was like f- 3 a.m. when we finished it, because we started it at like midnight. <laughs> we did start late, yeah. it late, And it was dark, and, you know, I'm in a foreign country. Uh, and I remember I was like sleeping in a, like, the front room or something. Anyway, it was just it was creepy. And um it stuck with me a little bit um since watching that at that time. And then I've seen it probably 3 or 4 times since then. And it it gets me every time. Like even the the jump sca- jump scares in, in in little quotation marks get me every time. I've watched it with three different people now. Um you being one of them, another one being my girlfriend and um
1: this isn't this a is thing actually for
0: her. this, hundred percent not. I also made her watch Midsummer, which she yeah. You know, stop doing that. Hated. If you want to keep it, um, but, yeah. But I will say that I have actually spoken to quite a few people about this movie, and although it's got the critical acclaim, and although I see it as something that's excellent, and I know you do because you just gave it five blueberries. There's a lot of people out there who think it's absolute trash and absolute stupid, and and I can I I respect that because so, in this film there's a lot of things going on. Where it descends into chaos, and by the end yes. of it, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And I love that, um, but there's a lot of people, and rightly in their own opinion, think that's stupid.
1: Uh, my girl, my girlfriend, being one of them. I think, I think you've got to say though that the chaos that it descends into is sort of it's it's signalled throughout the movie. It's foreshadowed. Yeah, it's foreshadowed yeah, all the yeah. time. But it's not you like don't, it's just out of nowhere. Yeah,
0: and that's what's great about this movie. You don't know that, like looking back you know that it's got layers to it like it's got moments where you're like oh that makes sense now when you look back at it but when the first time you see it if you don't like do a bit of reading about this film and you don't do a little bit of re-watching I can understand how you think it's just stupid but I love it it's um it's a five blueberry horror film for me it's it's do I think it's better than Midsummer? hmm as a horror movie 100% uh I think it's it it's a bit more traditional in terms of its themes, you know, like you said, demon worship, pagan rituals. Um, the, the, both films have something very uh, integral at the centre of them, and that is a fantastic standout performance from a female character. Uh, uh, in in, in Midsummer, you've got Florence Pugh, who we've already showered praise on because she's unbelievable, and in this, you've got Tony Collett, who is unbelievable as well and i think those key acting performances make the films what they are i i think this is a better horror movie i think midsummer has its own sort of fucking weird genre going on you know we talked about it like like folk horror that it is around a bit but it hasn't been around since like the wicker man kind of stuff you know yeah yeah um, it's
1: very wicker manny but but the thing with with midsummer like i i remember listening to an interview with um uh, I can't remember, can't, rem- can't remember who it was, but one of the cast members who said that um, Ari Aster actually sort of said a lot of this film is it's a comedy. It's, it's yeah, actually exactly, a comedy, yeah. like it follows a lot of comedy beats. Hereditary is not a comedy, um, and yeah. uh, there's it's no it's mistaking a story of it grief. It's,
0: yeah, it's a story I of think, grief I think, and um, um,
1: mourning. I think it's a really good question, um, like which film's better or which one you prefer. I love both of them, but I think Hereditary is tighter. And yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know exactly what I mean by that, but I, 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 but it it makes some sense to me. I think it's a, I think it's a more, it's sort of a more neatly packaged movie in a way. It's it's, um, it's one of those things that everyone will see
0: this film differently. I see it as two films. I think there's two films in this film, um, and they blend into one another in the midsection. It's, it's very, it's an interesting, that's why it's so interesting. It's just so well crafted. Like if you were to see the end of the film and like sort of the first 20 minutes of the film, you'd be like, what the, f- how is, how are these two films related? But they are <laughs> anyway. So that's our general thoughts on the movie. Um, It's a five bloober from us. Um, Of course you can let us know your thoughts. You can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or as i said go to patreon.com forward slash fan critical message us on there join join the blueberries become a blueberry commissioner podcast uh become we're going to blueberry. talk about the film in some uh, more detail a bit of trivia uh, a bit of key moments you know talking about the key moments of the film what we think works extremely well in terms of uh, the horror genre uh, the acting all that sort of stuff before we do that a quick little advert
1: all right, let's go ahead and record this ad. But we don't have much time, so let's be sure to hit all the high points. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I mean, we need to talk about how our celebrity impersonations are on point. Gotta thank you for introducing me to the pod. Deborah. I, uh, I haven't been getting enough <laughs> sleep. Uh. They were magnets. It's hard A Tangerine. That's good. And how we're so understanding of each other. You know, always willing to listen and learn from each other. This is my least favorite movie I have ever watched. Hmm. Uh Oh, I swear if you buy this poster. I buy the poster. I really do. And I think people come for the movie discussion, but they really stay for the hard-hitting and important conversations. Do we call shoes butt bottoms now? Well, if the butt cheek goes all the way down, does it go all the way up, too? Yeah, it just wraps around. Okay, sounds like we've got our ad. Let's go ahead and record. I kind of think we just did. We're two chunks and a hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. New episodes every Monday and Tuesday. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: So what you should do is definitely check those guys out. That was a pretty slick ad. Uh, And now for our ad. Um, Not much to plug (laughs) here because, as I said, it's commissioned stuff. We have been doing our How the Fuck Have You Not Seen That series where we raid our closets of shame, where we talk about films that we've lied about for years that we've seen. Uh, So, for example, I said I'd seen Reservoir Dogs since about 1997. Liar. And I haven't. Liar. Um, Shame, as they would say in the Game of Thrones world. Shame. Um, Shame. Ding, ding. Uh, You know, we've just done Gladiator. Emma hadn't seen that. It's mental. Shame. Um, There's some some absolute. Yeah, that is that is the worst one. Although there is an even worse one coming up, which where Lucy reveals that she hasn't seen Pulp Fiction, and and for me that's worse than Reservoir Dogs. Um, I mean, I don't understand why she's still allowed to be in the podcast. To be honest. Also, why why are we like why is Quentin Tarantino like a thing that we haven't seen <laughs> yeah. that much of? Is yeah, it it's weird. Um, it's weird. It is weird. So that's how the fuck have you not seen that? I think they are some of our more fun podcasts because we get to watch brilliant movies and have a laugh with it. So please do check those out right now. But the most important thing that I implore everybody to do, um, you know, if you like stuff like Hereditary, right, which we talk about now, um, then do check out our new podcast, Lovecraft Country Critical. Yes, Lovecraft Country. What is that? That is a show that is starting this week on HBO uh, and it is by an author called Matt Ruff who has a novel which follows an African-American family or a couple of families in 1950s America and it interweaves sort of, um, how do you say this, sort of themes around like films like Green Book um, and then also themes from stuff like Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft. So you're getting this... um, At times, extremely sort of um, interesting genre where science fiction, gothic horror, and sort of racial undertones are all meshed together uh, to create a fascinating character study. And uh, we have our own dedicated podcast, Lovecraft Country Critical. And we would appreciate all of our listeners to uh, go subscribe to that now and leave us a review. Uh, Our first episode will be out Monday, the 17th of August.
1: It's going to be great.
0: It's going to be amazing. Uh, The early reviews are in because obviously some people were allowed screeners and stuff and they say it's brilliant. So we are very much looking forward to that. I can guarantee that all of our listeners, if you've enjoyed our coverage of things like Game of Thrones, Westworld, Castle Rock, um, you know, all of those sorts of shows, Watchmen, especially Watchmen, Watchmen. the Minutemen are back. So get ready for that. And Um, another one. Then and another one and another one. And a minute a minute woman has joined us <laughs> as well so minute woman plus minute men uh, then you're gonna love you're gonna love this show okay so lovecraft country critical that's all i have to say let's jump into some key highlights for hereditary All right then, Gareth. Let's uh, let's go through this film and right. um, see see what we like and see what we don't like. I think there's going to be nothing that we don't like. <laughs> so uh, Annie Graham, uh, played by Tony Collette, is a miniatures artist who lives in Utah with her husband Steve, their sixteen-year-old son Peter, and their eccentric and reserved thirteen-year-old daughter Charlie.
1: Um, you so said that, that- miniatures. That's a strange yes. way of saying that word.
0: Well, I believe most of our listeners are American. I'm pretty certain that is how they would
1: say it. Okay. Interesting.
0: What would you What would you say about that? Would you say I'd that say miniatures, miniatures is English and miniatures, I would say, is American? But I mean, that's just me. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, please do let us know. Write in. at gmail.com right, Do you say miniatures or do you say miniatures? I actually am fascinated now. In fact, I think that's more interesting than this podcast. So stop what you're doing send me that email right now thank you um so charlie she's weird isn't she yep Gareth.
1: yeah um she's weird in a lot of ways um now i don't i don't want to be horrible here but she's she is a weird looking girl aesthetically a very strange looking girl yes yeah. um
0: but that adds to sort of the mystique around her character like 100% she's a very mysterious and uh, it seems like a seems like disturbed young girl. Like you know, she's picking up dead birds and stuff, making weird little statues.
1: Um, yeah,
0: other she's making her own miniatures, Gareth. Well, so,
1: she is. She's cutting off heads and and yeah. making yeah. that. You know, that's a that's a theme throughout the film. Yeah, um, yeah, and she talks in a clicking language uh, to herself.
0: What I will say is Ariasta has. Um, he did this in Midsummer. He makes noises very haunting. <laughs> like, like I know, just think about it. Like there's the clicking that in this film, yep. right? And anyone who's seen the film knows what we're talking about. It's terrifying. Uh, and in um, Midsummer, there's the like the breathing thing that they do. Mm. Um, and he's very good at creating these rhythmic, simple noises, which create shivers and uh, you know down my spine, as it were. It's, you know. Anyway, <laughs> let, let's continue with this sort of plot. So, Charlie, a bit weird. Um, at the funeral of her secret, uh, at the funeral of her secretive mother, um, Annie, you know, delivers this eulogy, explaining a fraught relationship and her mother's yeah. extremely private life. So we know that the grandmother was a bit, you know, distant from her.
1: It, well you you know what's it, weird it's, as well sorry um, and yeah. what's weird about this funeral is like the family there like the Grahams, yeah. the, the main yeah. characters they're like the outsiders just, in this yeah. funeral they're um 100% they don't, yeah they yeah. don't know a lot of the people who are there and there's some fucking creepy people like do you remember, do you remember that guy do you remember that guy who's just like smiling at um at charlie like it's so weird it's, it's so weird uh, anyway it, that that straight away gives you this sense of unease, doesn't it? Where it's like, right, what is going on here? Why don't they know the people at their... At, like, why doesn't Tony Collette know the people at her own mum's funeral? Um, mm. And it just gives you a sense of them being outsiders to this malevolent mm. group. They are they are
0: definitely outsiders. And at this point, you're sort of like, okay, it's just, you know, pretty standard stuff. Um, it turns out that, like, after this funeral uh, a week later the, the the grave of the grandmother has been desecrated right now you just sort of hear that like a conversation between annie and her husband and you're like okay so everyone put a pin in that because it's going to come back later for sure <laughs> um you also just get a sense of this family dynamic with peter the son um and charlie sort of a bit estranged in terms of a sibling relationship you get a sense that the the wife and the husband are a bit you know you're getting this family dynamic you know you're trying to figure out what's going on here you know Mm. how normal is this family they're called the grahams they've got to be pretty normal right that's a pretty normal surname uh but it turns out that peter (laughs) is. is is this sort of rebellious little teenager and he wants to go to a party
1: um he you know what surname would suit them better out of interest then? Uh Abernathy. I don't know why <laughs> that came to my mind. Probably Westworld. It's not Westworld eh? yeah. um, Abernathy would work. I think Abernathy would work it, really well. Yeah. yeah. It would. Good
0: um so Peter wants to go to a party and Annie, you know, wants to say to Peter that look, take Charlie with you. And for me, this is bizarre. In Mental. film, I do think this is this is a moment where I'm like, I don't get this yeah. at all. Like, um Charlie is like Seems very young in the film. I would say she's like 12 or 13. I, I honestly can't remember. But, yeah, I think, uh, she's, I think she's supposed to be 13. She looks a bit younger, and it, but yeah. I know Peter kind of lies about what event it is. He says it's like a school event of some sort. Um, but to take Charlie just seems bizarre to me. I know that um, the character of Annie, the mother, is trying to sort of support Charlie as much as she can because she sees that she's quite a sort of distant child um, and the grandmother actually you find out actually was very fond of Charlie and like tried to raise her sort yeah. of herself in a way and was very close with her. So it's, it, it, and that, that obviously comes back later but it, it was a weird decision to see Annie let her daughter go to this party um, or event in little quotation marks. I'm sure she knew what was going on. Um, throughout the film at the start you're sort of told that Charlie you know has a as a nut allergy right so they go to this party and Charlie's like the youngest kid there by a mile I don't know what's going on like this is like a proper you know stereotypical what you see in horror movies or any sort of American film party right um, Charlie's there being weird um, and she sees cake and she's like oh, I'm gonna go eat this cake that's what 12-year-olds that's
1: like, do at parties, is eat cake.
0: She, lo- she loves cake. Th- that is fair. That's nice. Um, Peter's, like, doing drugs upstairs or whatever. Charlie has this cake, and lo and behold, it has nuts in it. Uh, and as I said, she's got a nut allergy. And you get this sort of harrowing scene where she's really struggling to breathe. Peter's panicking. hes dr- They live in sort of the middle of nowhere, really, like Utah, I imagine. It's quite barren at times, like these roads, and you get a sense of that. And they're driving home. She's like choking the back. She needs to get air. Oh, she opens God. the back window, and fucking hell, she, you know, there's a pole there. She puts her head out the window, and uh, just the, the it was, talking about this makes me very uneasy. Well, and it makes <sighs> me feel a bit sick.
1: I think, because I think I think just quickly an additional dynamic to that is that. Her head's out the window, but then Peter swerves because there's a dead animal in the road. And that's right. Yes, that's yes. what yes. takes yes. them, takes her into the pole. Um, and it's, it's. I mean, it's pretty visceral. Um, and it's well, it's
0: not. It's not. It, it's
1: not uh, visceral
0: in the sound. In terms the, of sound the, fact, the sound is visceral. Sound. Yeah, I tell you what. I tell you what's haunting about it is the fact that. There's this like, I, I'll tell you what actually makes me feel. I mean, th- let's just take this way. There's like a 15 minute stretch of the film here, which I think is the best part of the movie. Um, I, I think something about it just makes me feel sick. Yeah. And it's a couple of decisions that are made by Peter here um, and just... Okay, so decision number one, and we get it revealed in sort of this long shot, dead of night, barren road, headlights on the car. He's looking so distraught and like haunted instantly by the event that's just happened. He's just seen his sister get decapitated, but her body is still in the car and you don't see this. This is all visually told through Peter's eyes, like you just see what he's looking at. He sits in the road for a bit and then he just drives off normally. The thing that makes me sick here is he parks the car at the family home and then goes upstairs, goes to sleep, allows his mother to wake up, go out to see the car, and see her decapitated daughter's body sitting in the car. Once again, you do not see this, you hear it because yeah. you hear Tony Collette's fantastic acting and screaming. Then you also see a fantastic scene with Tony Collette doing the most primal screaming I've ever heard in my life of a mother who has lost her daughter and it is just one of the most intense sequences of films I've seen. You also get, in that 15-minute sequence, a flash cut of Charlie's head sitting in a sort of abandoned road on the curb side, with flies all over it. Ants, and, I think. Ants, yes correct and that's that's actually very important um and yeah wow talk to me gareth this is uh i don't really you know i'm not selling it short it's disgusting isn't it it's just the whole thing about it. it's just disgusting
1: yeah i don't i don't really i don't really want to talk about it yet. um mm. uh, yeah i mean i'm never
0: putting my head out a car window again and i, I never have to be honestly, honest. honestly i'm never gonna do it
1: i used to do it all the time um n- there is no chance at all um I I guess Yeah, I mean look, Peter's reaction immediately after it happens is is so upsetting, like, you know, just that shock. And you're right, he just sits there. He just sits there after it's happened and just doesn't know what to do. Um And I mean, fuck me, yeah, he just goes to bed. That's not cool. Oh, um, I
0: can't, mate. It's just it's just for me the the as I said, uh, Annie waking up, going down, like thinking it's a normal day, walks outside, sees her son's car there, and there's just a, like you. This is what's powerful about Ari Aster's storytelling. At times he shows you the flash frame of her head, right, and it yeah. is a flash frame. It yeah. probably lasts a second, right, um, but you just hear it and you see the anguish in Tony Collette and you, in her acting, and and like he's very good. At that I this is the problem with horror movies in general that sometimes they show you too much like like let's take for example a film like Jeepers Creepers mm. which is a fantastic horror movie up until seventy percent of the way through the film the first seventy percent of the way through the film I think that's a fantastic horror movie because you're getting these glimpses of things that are going on uh, but then when the monsters revealed and it becomes a bit. B movie, it it's stupid. You know, it loses.
1: It, it stops loses being intensity. scary. It stops being disturbing. It stops. It's what what happens is it stops you from using your imagination to fill in the blanks, which is worse most yeah. of the time. Yeah, and your imagination fills in the
0: blanks here, um, which is why it's terrifying. You don't see her discover the body. Yeah, you hear it, and and it's off camera, and it's it's very powerful. Um, but let's move on. You know, uh, people who have seen this film will know that that section is. Is I think one of the most disturbing uh, sequences in in horror movie history. Actually, Terrific acting excellent.
1: all round as well.
0: Unbelievable acting. Unbeliev uh, the acting in this film is unreal. Like it's just even Peter the kid, he's fantastic. He is fantastic. I've I've seen him in things like J- the newest Jumanji movie, for example. You know what I mean? He's oh, yeah. <laughs> in <Isn't> that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and stuff like that. But it's just like yeah, this. If you this kid, he's he's got Great potential. He's going to be good. He's Hmm. going to be good. Um, So basically, Annie's devastated. Uh, Mother has lost her daughter. The family is in tatters. The husband is sort of trying to hold it all together. Peter's um, sort of feeling Charlie's presence around the house, hearing the noise at times. It's terrifying. Um, Annie is struggling with her miniatures now. She's got this big project coming up uh miniatures miniatures whatever you want (laughs) and uh she's also joined a sort of self-help group where she bumps into joan uh now from the leftovers unbelievable actress oh my god leftovers handmaid's tale yeah she's she's unreal joan right she is one of the best actresses i think out there at the moment she's great in terms of the roles that she's given in shows and films fuck me she's good Like you want to hate her like in The Leftovers, in Handmaid's Tale, you kind of hate her. But at times you can sympathize with her as well, even though she's such a hateable character. Mm. And I think in this, she comes across fantastically well as this creepy sort of guide for Annie um, in this terrible moment of her life. And, you know, Joan basically helps Annie to sort of grieve because that's what it is. It's a self-help group for, you know, grieving people. Uh, They share, like, coffee, tea a couple times. And then, lo and behold, Joan bumps into her one time and says, Annie, you won't believe what's happened. I'm in the best place ever. Uh, I have spoken to my... I think it's her son that's died or her grandson that's died. I can't remember. Uh, It's all a load of shit because it's probably all a lie. But, uh, you know, how is this possible? You've got to come over. I'll show you how it happened. And they recreate this sort of seance where you know, they speak to the dead, as it were. And Annie can't believe it. It's, it's actually quite a scary little scene in a way, even though you've seen this scene yeah. told a million times in horror movies and other films and reality documentaries and all that sort of stuff. Um, and Annie believes it so much that she she takes the, the method. She's given the method by Joan. She takes it back to the house and wakes up Peter and her husband, uh, Steve. And they perform a miniature sort of seance in the I think house. I mean a miniature um, seance. Oh yes, a uh mini- No, a miniature is referring to a model gaff. Miniature <laughs> is small. Um, I don't know. But uh what do you think about this little seance in the house where they try to get Charlie to draw something because Charlie was an avid sketch artist, as it <sighs> yeah. were, in her young age.
1: I mean, we haven't spoken about her drawings, have we? the but- like, terrifying again again just a, a great way of sort of building up that that tension um and and that that unease um, and yeah fantastic yeah um yeah i mean it's what's interesting about it is that i think i think at the start of the film all of the grahams would would have been like um cynics in terms of this sort of thing and yeah you know, oh yeah um, annie herself is sort of She's very clearly she is like I think she sort of explicitly says like that she doesn't believe in any of that stuff and whatever nope. um so it's an interesting sort of uh portrait i guess of what grief can do and the 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 desperation that somebody could have, mm. and maybe what happens when you 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 have those moments of um of of devastation that you'll you'll do anything, you'll try anything just to uh um well, just to talk to people that you've lost, I guess. Uh, yeah. it's sort of heartbreaking yeah. in itself that that she's that she's she's buying into it
0: now. Um It is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. But this this scene is actually scary. It's very scary because um it sort of works, but at the same time then it gets extremely violent very quickly. The spirit seems to be um very aggressive towards them. Peter ends up crying. S- Steve is now, who is honestly, I will say this about the husband, Steve, he is the most straight laced character in the world. Like <laughs> he is just so, just what, you know, he is not in the mood for all this bullshit. He's also quite, not I'm not saying he's not a strong man, but I'm saying that he's he's just, he is like someone who's just given up and is just doing their job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's just getting Steve. through it. Just getting through life. Just love. getting through it. I feel sorry for Steve because he's just trying to get through life and then he's roped into all this shit. Um, (laughs) Um, He's trying to keep everything together. Um, So anyway, the sentence has gone badly and you can tell that this is a trigger for the events that then unfold, which is a series of um, terrifying um, events that happen to Peter. Not only is he being haunted by uh, the ghost of Charlie or the spirit of Charlie, um, but he is also seeing apparitions at school. He is... Oh, when in he some sees ways, his
1: reflection he, smiling back at him. Oh.
0: This is a terrifying scene where he, he is in some ways possessed by an otherworldly creature. Um, and he, unable to control his motor functions at times. There's the scene in school where he puts his hand up and smacks his head on the table oh, multiple times. and blood everywhere. It's just It's terrifying. Terrifying. Um, You've got Annie, who is also haunted uh, and is trying to break a cycle, believes that something has happened with this seance. So she goes to find Joan again. Joan is obviously at this point revealed to be, not to Annie herself, but we as the audience are let into the fact that Joan worshipped like Charlie, worshipped her grandmother. um, uh, There's also images that are found by Annie of her grandmother being showered with treasures, being Sort of worshipped by this cult, if you will, that Joan is a part of, and it's revealed that Joan was friends with the grandmother.
1: So, do you know? Do you do you remember what this cult believes in? Uh,
0: they believe. It, it, well, it's the sort of they believe in the in the specific demon, <laughs> yeah, of uh, Payman, yeah, uh, which is or Pay Payman Payman I think Payman. Um, and the interesting thing about this is, and I know you've got some interesting trivia that we'll move on to, Gareth. But I'll, let's save the trivia for the, uh, for the end. Sure. It'll be interesting to note. To yeah, know. give, give me some trivia. It's interesting to note that some of the stuff that the grandmother's seen wearing, like the family necklace, is a symbol of Paimon. Um, and then once again, it's seeded throughout the movie. So this, this stuff has been there just in the background of scenes throughout the whole film. And this point, it's gone into absolute chaos. Like, Peter's... A sort of zombie-like character who's terrified. Annie is hysterical.
1: As I said, poor Steve's trying to hold it all together. <laughs> Steve's just trying to like do his job and watch. Yeah, watch trash exactly. TV and at the end of the day. But everybody's going mental um, around him. Everyone's going mental around him.
0: Annie believes that this book that she has, uh, the sketchbook or whatever it is, if if they destroy that, it will break this horrible weird spirit that's lurking around the house or whatever so she implores steve to burn the book in the fireplace and you know they throw it in the fireplace and then steve sets on fire and dies basically um at the same time as this happens Annie is possessed now i don't know the ins and outs of the demon world and pagan tree all this <laughs> shit but uh i i will say i saw this coming is terrifying and a character that we sympathize with throughout the whole film in Annie, who is honestly some of the best acting I've ever seen from Tony Collette, um, ever. And she's a fantastic actress. Um, it's horrible to see her just devolve into this essentially
1: exorcist type. <laughs> well, <character. laughs> I think, I think it's safe to say realistically, Annie, Annie dies at the moment that, that Steve oh, yeah, yeah. captures on fire. Because the moment yeah, that yeah, she's yeah. possessed, she's not, she's not Harry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, the film
0: is called Hereditary for a reason. It is because the family line is <laughs> devoted to Pyman and it has been ordained, you know, and we're about to find out about why this is in the family, as it were. So what happens then is poor little Peter, who's been sort of knocked out from smacking his head on the table and he's had a horrible school. day. He has had a horrible day. Oh my word. He's having a bad time. He wakes up to find the house at night time. Uh, he goes downstairs, finds his father burnt alive, a charred crisp stinking mess on the floor. <laughs> um and <laughs> it's disgusting. And then this is when me and you are watching the film, Gareth, and we're just like, for the first time, we're just like, what is that in the back corner? Oh, God. And there's just, so not only is there just a weird, naked man standing there with a creepy face, like with a little Todger. And He's got his little Todger out. You don't even realise because you're looking at the naked guy. But in the top. <laughs> oh, you were looking at the, the naked the, guy. In the top, on, on the ceiling is Tony Collette, like, full possessed demon and then she scuttles off terrifying and, you, you, and you're like what the fuck was that and then when the camera shifts position she's just lurking in the background and you don't really see her and then she just springs out of the darkness to honestly the scariest thing i've ever seen like that is the scariest jump scare i've ever had in my life i don't jump and i jumped out of my fucking chair when i have it's terrifying it's terrifying that is terrifying um so this part of the f- this part of the film is excellent horror stuff because it is balls to the wall crazy. It is. It is Tony Collette possessed, chasing Peter through the house with weird naked people standing around in this sort of woodland cabin. He's up in the attic. He discovers his grandmother's, remember I said the grave was desecrated, discovers her headless corpse that has been rotting there for like three weeks. So it's disgusting with pagan imagery all around it. You've got Tony Collette banging her head on the attic door, uh-huh. sawing her own head off with by- a
1: fucking piano
0: wire. With a piano wire. No shit. This is mental. Um, To the point where it becomes evident that Peter's only escape is jumping through the window. He jumps through the window. Um, Some sort of spirit goes into him. He wakes up. Strolls to the tree house. Which was a favourite place of Charlie's. And you know, Tony Collette sleeps in there in the film sometimes. Because she misses Charlie so much. Uh, Goes up. There's more naked people. Two headless corpses worshipping a throne. Um, and Joan, blessed Joan, comes <laughs> comes across and goes, yep, you are Pyman. Uh We've had to do all this to get you in that body. Uh, we worship you. Please, you know, shower praise. Well, shit? Just weird. Just weird. And the film ends. And that's it. You have this absolute chaotic ending where it all just descends into... This is why people don't like it because it goes so supernatural. I think you know there's elements of the film that, that make you think, "Oh, is, is, is what's going on here?" But then it goes full like, "No, this is this is supernatural. This is fucked up." Um, so, uh, what do you think, Gareth? Great, ending yeah. I there. mean,
1: I know. that 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 ending it, it's it's unreal. Um, uh, but like I said, I don't think it would work if if it hadn't been. Yeah. Hinted at throughout. It hadn't been it hadn't been foreshadowed. But there are those bits. So, you know, when you when you when you maybe you don't get it immediately after watching it and you're in a state of shock, I suppose, probably immediately after watching. You're, you're shocked. You're like, what the fuck was that last fifteen minutes? That was unreal. Um but like the image of Tony Collette sort of being... Soaring her own head off. Yeah, but also whilst kind of being... She's sort of hanging as well. Like, she's hovering above... It's it's just horrific. And the sound, the sound of her doing it, you can just hear, like...
0: Yeah, and then you just hear the
1: head fall off. Like, you just hear it. It's (laughs) terrifying. So, yeah yeah those moments um those are those are real horror moments that is what they are
0: and you know it's fantastic acting all around from everybody here peter's having a bad day said he acts it fantastically well turns out that basically the whole situation was that charlie was pyman this demon from hell and we're going to talk about pyman in a second but also the fact is that Obviously, Charlie was a girl and that doesn't work for them in terms of Paimon. He needs to be in a male host body. So the plan was always to be that the grandmother would die. um, And when she did, they would sort of orchestrate this whole scenario where they would be able to kill Charlie, get the spirit of Paimon and then do a ritual to make it inhabit that of her older brother Peter's body. Uh, so that it could fulfill the destiny and, and all that sort of shit. So, yeah, that's the situation. Charlie was always the demon pie which is extremely interesting. And now Gareth is going to talk to us about well,
1: pie Well, I've just got a couple of. Pie on,
0: Gareth. Pie on.
1: Pie. The pie man. Um, doesn't yeah. sound that scary, does he? I want um, a pie
0: right now. I'm very hungry. Yeah. And it's a Sunday. Perfect for pies. Very good. Um,
1: but he and and Paimon's, or payman's pronoun is he um, was uh supposedly one of the one of one of the devil's um sort of subservient um demons and was renowned for being particularly um uh sort of willing and um obedient to the devil's. Uh, Devil's wishes. So he was like a little suck up. Lieutenant. Basically. He's lieutenant. He's a lieutenant. Yeah. Of Satan. Um. But what's interesting is that um, there's a couple of couple of moments that are in this film that I that I I didn't know this about it until I read up. Um. So is he's, he's described in the literature as a man riding a camel. Um. And you yeah. see that you see that drawing a few times um, on the necklace. In the you see the necklace yeah. is
0: is a humped sort of um animal thing i can't remember what it is but yeah there are humps
1: a camel perhaps um but a man riding a camel preceded by a like a group of people playing music and that music is predominantly can you guess what instrument len think about the movie think about the piano a piano wire no (laughs) No, I see where you're going, but no. Yeah. Trumpets. And trumpets oh, yeah. feature heavily in uh, um in, in the movie as well. Uh I really like that. Um also oh, when the Saints go marching in, just on the trumpet, yeah, I remember that bit. Yeah. yeah. Time time. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time, big time. Um Also uh he's often described as having a woman's face uh Ooh. but is still uh, described using masculine pronouns. So uh, he's that is an interesting, I think what Ariasta's done there is sort of taken that element and turned that into maybe an additional bit of folklore because I, I don't think there's any sort of long-term desire from Pyman to, to inhabit a the body of a man. But it's just yeah. that, that that is an element of the demon's character uh, that's been explored there, which I, I find pretty cool. Um, But yeah, creepy, creepy little fucker is Pyman and um, done very well in this movie.
0: I'm fascinated by this sort of whole, because obviously this is all like, I say real, once again, in inverted commas, believe what you want to believe or whatever. But there's a lot of myths and legends that go around about these demons. They're They're not making shit up. They're actually pulling from historical context, whether it be biblical, whether it be, um you know satanists or all this sort of stuff and i'm fascinated by that because there's some weird fucking stuff out there man and this is like you know they worship the people in this film worship a lieutenant of the devil and they believe that that they will be showered with fortune and prosperity by bringing him to power it's fascinating to me how these and and let's not sugarcoat it. There's probably cults all around the world that are doing this shit, but we just don't know about it. That's what's you, terrifying th- to me. That's of what's course. terrifying. And,
1: like this is uh so uh Parmen comes from um a book called The Lesser Key of Solomon, which is like a Right it's a it's a spell book on Right. Um like a, a demonology spell book and I think it it was made in like it was made in sort of the seventeenth century. Um Uh, But, but, but what I love about it is that it was written up in the 17th century, but it's based on, on stuff that existed for centuries before that. So like somebody has just found these old manuscripts or whatever, and kind of compiled them and put them together. And you yeah, just wonder, like, where does it come from? Who? who how much has... of it
0: is true? How much of it is true? Do we know? <laughs> be, like, no, there no. might be there might be kernels of truth in there. I mean, it depends how religious you are. It depends on if you believe in other worlds and demons and God and angels and all this stuff. But how much of it's true? I find that sort of stuff fascinating. As you said, um, that this whole element of the movie the sort of demon worship element which is very tropey and can be very tropey is actually extremely well well done in this film and i think it's to its credit that it does such a good job of such a overdone subject matter um and it also makes us research and think about it afterwards so well yep. done ariesta very good film well done um and that's it really for for our review of hereditary i mean it's it's, it's an incredibly um i don't know just affecting Horror movie, and uh, and if you haven't oh, seen it, and you have listened to this, Halloween. and we've spoiled it for you. Just watch it, because I don't think um, even if you've just listened to this and you've heard it, seeing it is is different. Um, experiencing it.
1: Any final Agreed. thoughts, Gaff? Um, I I was just looking up today, like what Ari is going to do next, because I can't wait. Yeah, we um, talked whatever about this. it is. Can, I know, I know, this. I know, and it's just what a promising start. Like for this to be your first first your directorial debut is phenomenal. Um mm. and he's playing with a lot of the themes that that I think are the most effective in horror films. Um great movie, great director already, and uh and I can't wait to see more of his stuff. Yeah, I mean look, the thing with horror
0: films is some, sometimes they are very hit and miss. Like even great directors do have missteps, I think. Asta is a very um, out there director. I think his style is, as I said, you either love it or you hate it. Yeah, but at the same devices. time, he's got potential in him to do other great films. But let's just say he he has also got the potential to make some stinkers. I'm sure because this, the way he curates films, he's very seems very opinionated. He seems very certain on his style, um, and it won't always work. But I like directors that try things. I like people that try and subvert our expectations. And I think he's doing a fantastic job so far. Midsummer, Hereditary, two five blueberry horror movies and my two favorite horror movies of the last three years easily. So uh, also very excited to see his next epic, which is meant to be like three hours long and whatever. Meant to be like a, oh, I can't remember what he called it. Some sort of comedy again. He called it some sort of comedy or something. I was like, oh, oh God. What's this going to be? Um, but yeah, that's it. Thank you very much, Chris, for commissioning this podcast. It has been a lot of fun talking about a horror film that I love. Um, something that we didn't get to cover when it initially came out, because I don't think we existed when this orig- originally came out. So No, we did. Um, we
1: did. We did. I don't know what our excuse is, to be honest. Um, we were probably doing
0: some shitty Walking Dead coverage or something, getting drunk nice all world. the time. Yeah, well, no, Westworld season one, brilliant. So don't have a go at that. But I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank you, Gareth, for being here. Um, Thank you. Thanks for being there. I'm looking forward to our coverage of Lovecraft Country. And that is how we're going to end this podcast, is once again saying, check out Lovecraft Country. Go watch the trailer. See if you like the look of it. If you do, watch the show on HBO. Find another way to watch it if you need to. And then come listen to us. That's all I have to say. Lovecraft Country critical thank you chris for the commission thank you for listening thanks gaz see you later everybody